0: Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's Word and consider how it applies to our lives. I'm going to face this way today. That's good. Thank you, Philip. You're a blessing, man. Um, if you don't know Phil very well, you need to get to know him because he's uh, absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I mean that in love. And, uh, because if you're a lead pastor and your worship leader is not crazy, you're probably going to be an incredibly boring church, right? <sighs> um, so I uh, appreciate you, brother. Um, you're a great blessing in my life. And it's good to be with you this morning. Well, today... Uh, we're going to continue in our series from Mark chapter 5. And as we do, as we start to think about God's Word, I want you to think about the last crowd you were in. Last time you were around a whole bunch of people, maybe milling around, maybe like an arts festival or a Delray Affair kind of thing. Um, We were up at the marriage retreat this past weekend in Stewart, and Julie and I walked through their arts festival in Old Stewart. If you've been up there, it's kind of a really cool town. It's kind of like Delray, only not on steroids, kind of a little bit chilled. Um, It's a great place, but as I walk through those arts festivals, I'm really what you would call a tire kicker. You know what that is? That's someone who goes and looks at cars and maybe a car show, maybe a car lot, and they just kind of kick the tires. They're really not going to buy. And if you've ever been in sales, those people annoy you to death because they come and they take up your time and they act like they're interested, but they're really never going to make an investment, right? They're never going to buy. They're just there kind of taking up space and kind of enjoying the good art, right? The beautiful car, or in this case last yesterday, it was some cool crafts and artwork that I'm never going to buy. It's never going to happen, but it's kind of neat to see, and it kind of makes you feel kind of, I don't know, relaxed or whatever. You kind of like it, and it does draw a crowd. And that's how most crowds are. People gathered to see something, and most are never going to invest themselves in whatever it is they're seeing. This morning, as we consider Jesus, I want to encourage you to break out from the crowd. I want to encourage you to say, Jesus, I need to get a hold of you. I don't want to just be a tire kicker anymore. I want to break out from the crowd and I want to experience all that you want to give me. Matter of fact, you may say, God, today I got to experience Jesus. Jesus. I've got to have that happen in my life because things are not as they should be and I'm struggling. That's what today is all about. We've moved our prayer time to the close of service today because I want to encourage you, at the close of our service, to break out from the crowd and come touch the garments of Jesus. Come touch the garments of Jesus. We come forward to pray. And some people say, well, I can pray just fine. You can There's something about coming to pray, coming to God's altar to pray, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. Well, We're in a series called Maximum Power, but Mixed Results, and that's exactly what happens in a crowd. They come to see Jesus, and there's all this power displayed, but only some are actually affected. Only some actually make an investment. Only some actually respond. Only some actually feel his power. We talked a while back about Jesus calming the storm and, and the, the disciples saying, this is amazing. How, who, who is this that even the weather responds to him? Last week, we talked about the, the, the man who was uh, possessed by probably hundreds of demons, an incredible evil presence, and that Jesus frees him of that, and he chases these demons off into this herd of pigs, and they go down into the Sea of Galilee, and they drown, and this man is normal. It's an incredible miracle that Jesus is able to have this power over this incredible demonic force. But then the people of the town, Jesus, would you go away? Please go back across the water because we don't really want you to deal with our evil. We kind of like it. We kind of want to hold on to it. Jesus Please don't bother us. We're, we're, we can manage our evil just fine. And actually, dealing with evil just cost us maybe a million dollars worth of pork. So Jesus, go away. Think about that. Do I want Jesus to deal with my evil? Do I want Jesus to deal with the evil that, that bothers me all the time? Or do I really kind of like things the way they are? And we saw that there's an opportunity for Jesus to deal with evil. We're going to have to let go of some things. And so today, Jesus crosses back over the Sea of Galilee, which is a lake about 13 miles long, about seven miles wide, and uh, you would, on the eastern side of the lake is the Gentile territory, and on kind of the northwestern side of the lake is the Jewish territory, and Jesus has gone there intentionally to encounter evil with the Gentiles, and now he takes his boat, and they go back to Capernaum, probably, on the northwest rim of the Sea of Galilee And he's about to show some more maximum power. So look at verse 21 of the chapter 5 of the book of Mark. Most of you know the Bible's divided up in the Old Testament and New Testament. New Testament consists of the story of Jesus and that story then interpreted for the church by Paul and others. And so Mark is one of those gospel accounts, one of those eyewitness accounts, or one of those those accounts of Jesus and his ministry. So look with me, Mark chapter 5 beginning in verse 21. And when Jesus has crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. So Jesus shows up in this probably 25 foot boat and with 12 guys and they land and suddenly a crowd gathers. Apparently someone had texted ahead and told everybody that Jesus was coming or more likely he landed and the word just spread. Hey, the miracle worker's back. Hey, that guy that puts on a a cool show every time he's here is back. Let's go see what's going to happen. And people all gather on the lakeshore, which really would have been a a fairly common place to gather in those days. And so they they all gather around Jesus, and there's kind of an excitement. And again, here's the crowd really kind of waiting to see what Jesus is going to do next. Watch what happens. Verse 9. Twenty-two. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet. And he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Get this. Here is the ruler of the synagogue. For us, this would be like pastor of a church. He's the one who made sure worship happened. He oversaw the synagogue, the place of worship in those days. And he would have been a very well-known man. He also would have been a a fairly wealthy man. And in addition, the synagogue and Jesus didn't always see eye to eye. They weren't really in on the Jesus thing. They were kind of uh, hot and cold about him. They really weren't weren't the same so they didn't like the fact that jesus didn't come and try to engage all the religious leaders and get them on board rather he did his thing and he wanted them to respond to him so here comes this guy well dressed he's in a nice suit he comes to jesus he gets through the crowd and he gets to jesus and he falls on his face and he says to jesus you've got to come my daughter is dying if you would come, you can save her. He's, he's literally on his face begging Jesus in this worshiping position, in this, this lowering himself position. And he's saying to Jesus, you've got to come because my daughter is dying. I'm out of options. I'm out of time. I've already talked to all the other doctors that I know, all the people who I know who might be able to make a difference. I've done everything I can, and now I'm coming, and I'm getting in front of you, Jesus, and in front of all these people who could have asked Jesus to do something for them. Here's this one man saying, Jesus, you've got to come and help my daughter. She's dying. He's desperate. He's desperate. He has no other options. The clock is running out. She's about to die. His desperation moves him to humility, and it can do that, can it? You get desperate enough, you'll do anything. You don't care about all these other people looking at you. You're going to come. You're going to do whatever it takes to get Jesus to your daughter. It's a powerful moment. The rest of the crowd is just hanging out. Hey, Jesus, let's see what he does. Let's watch. They're not really engaged. Here comes Jairus, this very uh, respected man, godly man, falls on his face. Jesus, you've got to come help my daughter. He's desperate. He's humble. And he gets to Jesus. Jesus goes with him. But as he's going, Mark concludes another story. It's really interesting. Mark wants to help us understand how people were responding to Jesus. And he tells us another story while he's on the way. Verse 24, And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So there's this great crowd, and, and it's not like they're just kind of loosey-goosey like at an arts fair. They're kind of packed in there. They're thronging about him. They're, they're kind of, everyone's jostling and getting close. And it's probably give you claustrophobia if you're my age or older, right? Isn't that... Anybody else notice that? The older you get, closed spaces, not good. Anybody? Raise your hand. We're going to have a support group after this. We'll talk about it. Um, I, just want to, I just want to feel okay about myself, okay? This is a great crowd is throwing it about him. And there's a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much uh, much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. And she heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched him on his garment. So here's a woman, 12 years she's had this bleeding. 12 years. She has Gone to doctors. So she's not only is she bleeding, which means she's probably anemic, which means she probably never feels good, probably never has energy. And she's gone to doctors, and they've given her all kinds of treatments. She's suffered through all kinds of procedures, which didn't work. And not only that, she's gone through all the money that she had. And she's gotten worse. She's probably near death at this point. She's out of options. She's running out of time. And she thinks to herself, I, I'm not even going to try to get an audience with Jesus. All, I'm just going to try to touch. I'm just going to try to reach out and touch his garment. I, I just got to reach out there. I'm going to get through this crowd. I'm, these people are pressed in around Jesus, but I'm going to get there. If I can just get to his cloak, I, I can just touch his garment. I know, I know that I'll be healed. Man, don't you love that belief? Are you there today? If I could just touch Jesus. If I could just touch Jesus. She's desperate. She's humble. She's going to get to Jesus. Listen to what happens. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Verse 31. And his disciples said to him, Dude, come on. Everybody's touching your garments. I mean, there's like hundreds of people. What do you want us to do? You know, are we are going to be like the Secret Service and wrestle everyone to the ground that touches your garment? That's kind of the response, isn't it? Everyone's touching your garments. And watch what Jesus does. And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and be healed. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Wow. Jesus, and it's interesting, this is, this is a great picture of Jesus' humanity and divinity here, right? Because she touches him, power goes out, but he apparently doesn't really know who it was. Isn't that cool? Here's the divine Jesus who could know everything but has limited himself. And this this woman comes out and touches him. Power goes out. And he goes, I got to find out who that was. Notice this. He says to her, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And here's the picture that we need to see. Here's Jesus available, right? He's available. His power is available. The crowd is milling all around him. They're bouncing off him everywhere. It's like a pinball machine. They're bouncing off him. Nothing's really happening until one person reaches out in what? Faith. She got desperate. She got humble. And she got to Jesus. see, your faith is what allows you to access Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your belief, her belief saying, I just got to touch him and then I, I know something's going to happen. I'm going to experience healing. It's going to be incredible. I just got to get her faith, even, even as small as it was. That's what made her well. Wow. Do you have faith like that? Do you have faith like that? or are you in the crowd and you're near Jesus you're hanging out you're experiencing a little bit but there's really no power in your life there's no healing in your life you're super stressed right now because of what's going on in your life do you have faith like Jesus to reach out and like like the woman to reach out and touch Jesus and be healed Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Verse 35, And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Get this, do not fear, only believe. You see, Jesus hears news totally different than everyone else, right? Right? Jesus hears this news that your daughter's dead, and it's like, well, I guess Jesus can't think about that. We've done everything we can. And so Jesus, no, 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 you're talking about the author of life here. Oh no! And he says to Jairus and his wife, he says, "Don't fear, only believe. Don't fear, only believe." I love Psalm 46. If you really, if you have another psalm to reference here, he says, "God is our strength and our refuge." if the earth shall melt he's there for us there's there's no way we can lose because he is our god and this is the picture of this everyone says he's she's dead there's no point in in worrying anymore don't don't bother him jesus oh no i'm just getting started here don't fear only believe whatever you're facing today write that on your heart don't fear only believe That God is at work through his people. He is powerful enough to do what he wants to do, to accomplish what he wants to do through your situation. Don't fear, only believe. And and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and uh, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw... A commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And, they had enter- and when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And let me pause there for a moment and, and to understand what this was like. When someone died in those days, you actually would hire some musicians to play dirges and other people to wail. That's that's what they did. You would actually hire these professional wailers would come in and they would mourn and it would be quite a scene. And there's some cultures that do that today even. And so Jesus comes in and there's all this wailing and all this this horrible just sadness and he puts them out. I love that Jesus says you need to you need to leave because something really really wonderful is about to happen here. He says she's only asleep and that is a euphemism in that time that really means could mean sleep or dead actually. And so she's. He's about to raise her. He puts them all out. He takes his three closest disciples and the mother and father, and he goes into her. And he says this. And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where, she, where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, "To Lithikumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise." And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement and he strictly charged them to tell no one that no one should know this and he told them to give her something to eat 12 year old needs to eat right and it's always when when you see that in scripture someone raised from the dead Jesus ate after he was resurrected it's important to know this is not just a spirit cuz spirits don't eat ghosts don't eat but real people who had been raised from the dead they need to eat so that's the emphasis here is that she was raised from the dead and that she's not a ghost, she's herself, and she, she needs a bologna sandwich. Jesus has power over illness. He has power over death. And you may be wondering today, why am I not experiencing this? Let me just ask you. Whatever the challenge is right now for you, could be a job challenge, a career challenge, something unfair, something wasn't right. They're asking more from you than you can possibly do. You've been passed over for promotion. It's harder than you can possibly imagine. And you're saying, I just feel this pressure, and you're in this vice, and it's getting tighter and tighter. And you're saying, I need help, I need help. Let me ask you, have you gotten desperate? Have you gotten desperate? Desperate? You see, the crowd just manages challenges. The crowd just kind of passes around, and they kind of around Jesus. Boy, I'd like for him to do something, but you know, I don't really know if it's that important for me to pursue it today. And, and we kind of try to, manage, try to figure it out, but have you gotten desperate? Maybe it's a relationship issue in your family, something you just can't fix, something that may not even be your fault. How do I fix this, God? What do you want me to do? I need some help here. Have you gotten desperate? Desperate enough to get humble. Desperate enough to get humble. To come to Jesus. I want to get to you, Jesus. I want to get through the crowd. I want to get close enough to touch you. I'll fall at your feet, whatever I have to do, because I can't go on like this. I need your touch. I need your healing. God, save me. I, I, I I need that. Desperate. Humble. And get to Jesus. He said, Well, Steve, how do I do that exactly? Let me give you two things you need to think about. To get to Jesus, I need to get to him in prayer, and I need to get to his people. Right? I need to get to him in prayer because that's our connection with him. And I need to be in front of him and on my face praying and be very persistent about it. Take the time and take the effort it would take to get through the crowd to get to Jesus because sometimes to get to Jesus, we got a lot of stuff in the way. Stuff that takes up our time. Oh, I I prayed about it briefly, uh, you know, when I was stuck at a red light the other day. I prayed for. I prayed about it briefly, you know, just when I was. There was a commercial on, and the game was on, and they were going to put Fitzpatrick in, and I thought maybe there was hope. And then I prayed briefly at that point. Um, have you taken any time, any effort, any determination to get to Jesus? Are you connected to God's people? See, church is the body of Jesus. It's the physical representation of Jesus on this earth. Isn't that amazing? So the people that are around you, that are walking with Jesus, they represent him. And so many people say to me, "No, I, I can't get to Jesus. I, I, my prayers aren't getting to Jesus. I'm saying, well, are you ignoring the person of Jesus and just trying to be, have your prayers answered? Or are you connected to God's people? Because maybe he wants to answer your prayer through his people. That's why it's so important. We talk about this all the time. Be a part of a life group. Be a part of worship. Be serving. Be multiplying. Be a part of a body. See if that doesn't change your life. You got to get desperate. You got to get humble. You got to get to Jesus. And I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but I prayed about this for many years and it didn't get fixed. I prayed for someone, and I prayed for them to get better, and they died. I prayed for my job to improve, and I lost my, I, you didn't, it didn't, God didn't do what I told him to do. Notice this, get desperate, get humble. God, I want you to do what you want to do. There's, there's some prayers that God always answers yes. Let me give you a couple of them. The first is that prayer of salvation. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I want your blood that you've shed on the cross to count for my sin. I'm making this decision as someone who's old enough to know what, re- what conviction and repentance feels like. God, I, I, I'm convicted of my sin and I feel this pressure to be innocent and I, I need to receive your love into my life, your spirit into my life. Would you save me? He always answers that prayer with yes. The prayer of faith for salvation, he always answers yes. The prayer of faith for repentance, he always answers yes. If you got that guilty vice on you right now, and you're like, uh, I just I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but I this week I just really have messed up and I, I just can't get away from this, this guilt. You know, the prayer of repentance is always answered yes as well. Don't ever go to Jesus and go, man, I don't know if he's gonna forgive me. This day he's gonna forgive you if your prayer is a prayer of faith for repentance of sin. Absolutely. Also know this, when Jesus, right before he ascended, he gave us his mission to make disciples. If you pray the prayer of God, I want to make disciples, no matter what it takes, he will allow you to make disciples. Now in that process, understand this, there's going to be some hard days. Jesus said this, he said, anyone who would follow me, take up your what? Your cross and follow me. I think the saddest thing that I've ever heard of is is a believer who's trusting Jesus but really isn't following him because they're afraid of taking up that cross. They're afraid of taking up that difficult situation. They're afraid of picking up that thing that means part of them is going to have to die. That's what he's saying. God, I don't know if I can do this. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. He also said, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. and What? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you, for my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Are you burdened today? Do you need to have your burden lightened? I want you to reach out for Jesus. Get desperate. Get humble. Get to Jesus. He may not remove your thorn in the flesh, as Paul said. i got this thorn, and it's killing me, and it's it's causing me to be humbled. I I won't be exalted above measure because I've got this thorn in the flesh, and it could have been all kinds of things, probably something physical. And God said, no, what? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to be with you in this journey. Just like he said, he'd be with us always, even into the end of the world. Sometimes, though, I think we separate ourselves from him, and he winds up on the front porch knocking to get in. And what he really wants to do is be with you in this journey. Do you need him to be with you? Do you need him to walk with you? To be with you? You See, Jesus came to heal. He came to be with us. He came to work through us. Do you need to reach out and touch him today? I want to encourage you this morning, get desperate, get humble, and get to Jesus. If today is your first, you said, I've never asked him to save me. I want you to come here in just a minute. You may say, you know, Steve, I just need to repent, and I I just haven't, and I, I, I need to repent. I want you to come here in just a minute and repent at the altar. If you're saying, you know, my life is hard. I just can't get over this issue. And I need some miraculous help from Jesus. I need to know his presence in this journey. I I need to be encouraged in my walk. I I need to just reach out and touch Jesus. I want to encourage you to come here in just a minute and pray at the altar. So I, I can pray right where I am. I want you to get desperate. I want you to get humble. I want you to get to Jesus. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.